Live. Laugh. That's Colin. We are joined by Rayhan and Teus today. How are you doing today? Doing good, man. How y'all doing? Doing good. Pretty good. We're excited to have you on. Uh, you are probably my favorite person on social media as far as probably <laughs> in general, but definitely as far as wrestling goes. So uh, we're expecting you to bring that same energy. Yeah. But yeah, uh, thanks for coming on. We're excited to talk with you. Um, pretty big name. Um nominee for wrestler of the year last year in the carolinas so you've got a a good amount of traction is, is traction yeah. the word traction is probably the word yeah, <laughs> yeah traction sounds right yeah, yeah so right. um momentum maybe yeah we're hoping to get that rayhan and Teus bump um c- before we start um i haven't read this by christian he might not like it but oh no <laughs> uh can you roast us oh can I roast no you? yeah Oh man, not on the spot. Now you're gonna make me do this? Okay. Uh, <laughs> no, oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. Oh, no. No, we're not gonna do that. Okay. Okay. See, that's right there. That was respect. That was mutual respect. Like, I knew that, like, content wise, that would be fun. But as I said it, I was like, this is not gonna be fun for us. So, probably for the best. I mean, so typically when I, like, me getting to roast people, I talk a lot of trash to a lot of people on a regular basis. Yeah, it's more personally catered. So yeah. as we spend, more oh, time thank God we're strangers. <laughs> thank God we're strangers. <laughs> By the end of the episode, we yeah. We'll see. We'll limit it to Christian. Ah! So uh, <laughs> just pay extra attention to him. No, no. Uh, I'm focused on you. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. I like to think this is like 20% a trash talk podcast, but 80% a wrestling, maybe like 50% wrestling. I'm doing math. I don't know. We talk about catering a lot. <laughs> yeah. But, uh, but yes, this is at heart a wrestling podcast. Um, so I guess where all wrestling begins um, is the year 1892 in the uh, the carnival scene? People, uh, it started out. I could. So the best place, <laughs> the best place to start is the beginning. Um, yeah. So what um, is your beginning with wrestling? Like, what's your earliest memory? What What was that looking like? Okay, so my very earliest memory, I was maybe seven. And it wasn't a big memory. It wasn't anything crazy. I, you know, I was a wild kid. I like to go outside, play with my friends, jump in creeks and do all this other stuff. Um, came in one Saturday morning and a WCW show was on. Okay. Um, sat down to watch it because I'd never seen anything like it. And three minutes into me watching it, my parents came in the room and was like, yeah, turn that off. Oh, no. <laughs> right now. <laughs> but I was like, oh, I can't watch this? And it was like, no. No, turn it off. So I turned it off, and then I didn't watch it for years. Um, probably until, well, definitely until I was in middle school, right when SmackDown started, because yeah. we didn't have cable. So we didn't have access to anything. So once SmackDown came on network yeah. television, that was my first introduction to really being able to sit down and sneak behind my parents' back to watch yeah. it, uh, which I did for years. Uh, oh, yeah. That, oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Um, even so much to the point where I would save up my lunch money 
um, to pay for the pay-per-views or to have the money to pay for the pay-per-views yeah. once we did get cable. Um, and I got whooped for it a month times because I did it without my parents' permission. I would order it. And then my dad would be like, why is there $50 on the bill? Like, oh, I'm going to pay for you. Here's $50. Like, you should have asked, still. Yeah. You still got whooped either way. So. Yeah. I love that the ingenuity of just that's like, that's fantastic of, of of being like yeah I'm gonna eat a little here but in about two months we're gonna catch up on this pay per view yeah <laughs> yeah so what was your parents reasoning for not wanting you to watch wrestling because I that was I wasn't allowed to watch wrestling until I was like twelve or thirteen I don't know why that so, was even a thing <laughs> they explained it to me later. Uh, they didn't explain it to me right then and there. I was young. I wouldn't have understood it completely. Um, growing up, uh, so those, I'm the youngest of four siblings. Uh, and then we have two adopted brothers that we got after, like, later on in life that came along. But as far as my parents go, this time I was the youngest. And I took after my oldest brother, mm-hmm. who had a lot of anger issues. Um, so me, already being a the smallest out of everybody that I hung out with, I was super short, super skinny, um, with a real short temper and always wanting to like get physical with people. They didn't think wrestling was going to Yeah, that's fair. They yeah, felt, like, good they felt like it would make it a little worse. <laughs> <laughs> like, uh, the last thing you need to do is see how you're supposed to beat up people. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, you know? Yeah. So, um, so that was the reason why. See, that made um, I think it can make things better though, because like instead of like actually punching people, you're just like like chopping them, and you're like getting creative <laughs> with it, and like every time you punch, you're now. stomping a little bit. Yeah, <laughs> he gave somebody a rock bottom at recess today. <laughs> like, I mean, well, that, that well not recess. Once I got to high school, maybe. Um, yeah. On like the on the desk in school in class, I got in trouble for that once. Yeah. Uh, which kind of pretty much prove their point like yeah. <laughs> we didn't want you doing this because you was gonna do it on people and i went i started sneaking behind their rat watching it yeah and the first thing i do when i go to school is start hitting wrestling moves on people in school so <laughs> maybe they had a point yeah uh, what attracted you to it to the point where you would kind of save your money sneak around like risk the the spankings for wrestling um it was so it, it was the rock it was strictly the rock that was the whole reason the very first thing that I remember when I watched the first episode of SmackDown I watched was The Rock cutting a promo. Mm-hmm. Um, he was going in on Triple H, and he was just laying in. You know how Rock does. He yeah. yeah. Shit. He's going in. Boom, boom, boom. And, like, growing up where we grew up, like, that was what we did. We we trash talk people. You know, mm-hmm. we roasted people. You know, we'd get up. My parents were religious growing up, so we spent um, a lot of time in church. And so Wednesday nights, they had like a little separate area for like a separate building for mm-hmm. the like the preteens and the youth and things and the teenagers. And we would go there during service and they would teach us stuff. And then afterward, we would just be eating snacks, hanging out, goofing off yeah. for like an hour or so until the parents came to pick us up. And that turned into what we would call, we did two things. We did roast circles and then we did rap circles. Mm-hmm. Um so roasting circles, which is you stand in a circle and just start roasting people. And, you know, <laughs> and we didn't care if you got your feelings hurt. It was just, that was part of the game. Yeah. The only way to get people to stop was to talk trash back. So um, when I saw The Rock laying into Triple H, 
I was like, oh, this is pretty much, and it was, you know, what we were doing weekly. So it was yeah. like, I was like, oh, snap. So in my head, I was like, I could watch him. Maybe that'll help me, you know, get better on my game. <laughs> Talk to I... people and, you know, stuff like that. Um, only thing that didn't work out was, you know, I would use some of the lines he used. And, of course, yeah. all my friends are watching wrestling. So yeah. <laughs> kind of back, but he stole that from the rock. Oh, <laughs> oh you watched SmackDown last week. Like, all right. That's <laughs> <But>. Yeah. <laughs> I, I love the idea of, like, some people when they watch wrestling see, like, characters that they identify with, and, like, that's their sense of, you you saw us talking shit, and you were like, that's me. Yeah. That's exactly what it was. I was like, oh, you saw shit. This is, I do this all day. Yeah. <laughs> he is my favorite person forever now. <laughs> exactly. That's so amazing. It was good, and then um, to that for a while, and then a couple weeks later, like, Tori Wilson showed up, and then I was just hooked from there. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a yeah. great team, man. You know, I was I was horny all the time. So it's just like <laughs> you see pretty girls coming on screen. And I'm like, well, I'm already watching this and having fun. <laughs> now I get to watch it and watch women too. So it's good. I feel like that was the only time a parent ever walked in was yeah. during a a divas Bronze, segment, like a and it's like, yeah. <laughs> and it's like you're trying <laughs> to defend. It's like it's like a sport most of the time. <laughs> I remember. We went to Myrtle Beach for a vacation. No, we went to Florida. We went to Disney World, Florida for vacation for a week during the summer. And, um, you know, they have cable in the hotels and the beach resorts there. So my parents were like, we'll let you watch Raw tonight, just tonight, mm-hmm. and give you a try. And the f- we didn't watch it right on time, so we went out to eat. So we came in. Obviously, this is before DVR and TiVo, so you just got to kind of pick up yeah. where it's at. Um, and I kid you not, I go, so I can watch Raw right? They go, yeah. And said, if we see something we don't like, you turn it off. But if it's okay, we'll let you watch it going forward. And I was like, it's my moment. <laughs> and I turn it on. Mind you, I've never seen Raw before, so I don't know what to expect at this yeah. point. I'm just thinking it's going to be like SmackDown, but on cable. So <laughs> I turn it on, and literally the first thing you see is Trish Faction out of the way. My parents are like, turn this off right now. Like, oh. <laughs> Didn't even get to see any wrestling. Yeah. This is Trish. But then, of course, I was even further hooked. Yeah. Like, that. Um, so this is what Raw is all about. <laughs> okay. I'm missing out. Yeah. So, um, right, so if I skip lunch on Monday, Wednesday, and Friday and save that money, yeah. blah, 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 blah. <laughs> what, can I, what can I do to pay for cable? Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that, um, that's a fantastic start. Yeah, <laughs> going back to the roast circles. Do you remember? Like, is there a roast that sticks out in your mind that you're just like, "I'm proud of that one." <coughs> that I'm proud of. I yeah. Don't, well, I don't. Um, no, only because <laughs> it was a different time. Yeah. Okay. Oh, no. <laughs> I mean, okay. Yeah, yeah. 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 So. Uh, you know, you grow up, you mature, and realize certain things you're not supposed to say. Yeah, but fair, fair, fair. At the time, I was very proud of it. <laughs> <laughs> it wrong with it. So, yeah. Um, yeah, but now, yeah, no, it's not one of my fondest. Yeah. Ones. I mean, I got the reaction I needed. That was pretty cool, <laughs> but I, I would never repeat it ever in my life. Never. Yeah. So, from a long term perspective, how do your parents feel about you being a wrestler? Um. So. The crazy thing is, my parents have always been super supportive. I did a lot of things before I got into the business. Uh, just kind of throwing stuff at the wall, see what sticks. Yeah. Just trying. I didn't. I don't want to do like find a career that was gonna be me sitting there at a 
that's miserable for 40 years. I wanted to find something that I was going to enjoy. Yeah. Or at least be able to enjoy it for the first 20 of it. And mm-hmm. then, you know, if I get miserable after 20 years, then okay, well, now we got some reevaluation to do. But yeah. Um, so they've always, they were always super supportive, but I had done so many career switches by then that when I sat down and told him, hey, I'm going to start training to be a professional wrestler, my dad, he always, my dad always has the same response because he's very much, let me, with all of us, just me and all my siblings. And I get, I get this from him too. Now, when someone tells me something, I'm just like, okay, I hear you, which means, yeah, I hear what you're saying, but let's see what you do type deal. Yeah. yeah. Um, so he would say that. He's okay, I hear you. And then that was all he would say. My mom pulled me aside and sat me down and was like, all right, man, like, you know, you're mid, late 20s now at this point. You've jumped around a couple times for careers. This is going to be real physically taxing on your body. So I just want you to make sure that if you really are going to do this, that you need to sit down and make sure you're going to really focus on it and really give it what you got and not like half-ass it. So I was like, all right, cool. And she was like, don't just answer it right now. She said, take a week or two and really just think and make sure you want to do this. And then after that, it's on you from there either way. So I was like, all right, cool. So I took the time because me and my mom were like best friends. Yeah. Um, so I took the time out of respect for her and started through and told myself like, okay, so there's two ways you got to look at this. One, do you think you can be successful in this business? Um, which means you have to kind of describe what success would be. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and then two, can you still be happy doing it even if you don't reach that level? So yeah. um, I told myself, I'm going to give myself a year, a full year of training and just going at it and seeing if it's something that I wanted to continue. And mm-hmm. if in a year I hadn't fallen in love with it, um, I was going to stop. And I went to training the first day and fell in love with it immediately. So um, came home after training and talked to my mom about it uh, on the phone and talked to her. And she, uh, from the conversation we had, she was like, yeah, I can hear your voice. You're going to be doing this for a while. And yeah. I was like, yeah, I think I really found the one that I really want to kind of yeah. stick with and go with. Um, so they've been super, they've been super supportive since. Um, my mom's passed now. She only got the chance to come to one match before she died. My dad has come to multiple. He enjoys it every single time he comes out. Yeah. Um, and they just, they've just been super supportive. They, they bought merch. Um, they wouldn't let me give it to them for free. They made me, uh, <laughs> take payment for it. Um, they've come to shows. They've brought people from my childhood, people from my, my former church, and everything they 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 were super supportive my sister and That's brother awesome. come out every now and then and check us check me out as well like everybody in my family is nobody's was like you shouldn't do this mm-hmm. it was just everybody was like make sure this is what you want to do yeah. before you yeah do so um super supportive which was kind of crazy because i was nervous because of how they were so anti-wrestling yeah 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 I like growing up i was like i thought they were going to be like no but they were just like i mean by the time i decided as a grown man, I was making a lot better decisions than I was when I was a child. And I don't think they thought anger was an issue, which is you really have to poke poke me to get me pissed off now. So it's yeah. like, or put me behind the steering wheel. But that was real bad road rage. <laughs> yeah. um, but other than that, I think she was just kind of like, no, this is, 
I think they saw it more as an outlet. I'm, I've been, I look for creative outlets. I've always looked for creative outlets growing up. Yeah. To like release things that come in my head, whether it be through music, poetry, spoken word. Um, wrestling was a little bit different of a creative outlet, but I, man, the ideas that I get for it are things I would have never thought of thinking of or ways to expand it. I don't think I could have ever touched any other um, profession mm-hmm. creatively the way I've been trying to tap into wrestling, honestly. Yeah, yeah, I could definitely see that. The way that you put it makes a lot of sense, especially like if 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 you're watching this list and you're not familiar, um, you should go and check out uh, what it's called. Um, there's a, a specific name for it that's blanking, but like your your series thing. Oh, uh, get ready or the get ready with me series yeah. that I've been doing. Okay. Yeah, for yeah, any so, <laughs> <laughs> there's a couple of those. Yeah, I, yeah, and that's that's the funny thing is because it's like you know people have gimmicks and they have like particular ways they expect you to cut promos yeah. and stuff like that. Early on, I got so caught up in everybody telling me what I should and shouldn't do. shouldn't do this, you shouldn't do this. Oh, and promos, you should do this, you should do this. And it got real stifling. Yeah. And I was just like, well, if I listen to everything you guys say, I'm going to be cutting a boring promo. <laughs> and, I mean, we already have a hard enough time getting people to watch the video anyway. So yeah. it's like, my head was like, well, I feel like the more entertaining it's going to be, I think you can kind of start throwing some of those rules out the window. Yeah, like, for sure. I don't, other than like, Emory promo, I don't typically tear people down in the promo. And even in that promo, it wasn't really a tear down, more like a I've heard you I've heard you can do better, so I'm expecting you to do better. And if you're not gonna do better, then I'm gonna rip you a new one for not doing better type deal. Yeah. Um and I didn't trash anything about his in ring ability. I just pretty much told him he was boring. And I think personally, this is just my personal belief that since that interaction, he's been 10 times more entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, inside of the ring, that same night that me and him had the match, there was a white Mike called him Blandy Horton on a post. <laughs> and, uh, so we're wrestling our match that night, and he hits me with a uh, power slam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Randy Orton snaps, power slam, or And as soon as he hits it, he out of nowhere, just hits the Randy Orton post with that white mic. <laughs> oh, there and I was is. like, I'm laying on the ground like, look at this personality. This is great. <laughs> it was there this the whole time. Like like, yeah. We're having a match. Let me not lose my title getting caught up. Um, so, um, but I try not to, like, I, I very rarely, unless it makes sense for the story, I'm not going to tear you down. Yeah, right. Uh, in a promo. Um, I'm going to talk trash, but I'm not going to discredit your abilities mm-hmm. or anything like that. Yeah. Um, but it's just, I don't know, the Get Ready With Me series is, I get, I have a tendency to get distracted very easily with stuff. Yeah. So I'll be like, oh, these are, these are the style of promos I'm doing for this point forward. So before the Get Ready With Me series, there was a style of, uh, like, post-game press conference promos that I was uh-huh. doing. I'm sitting at a table and I mean, all of my promos are me talking to myself and I'm doing my own voices yeah. or a microphone or stuff like that. Um, but I'm like having myself interview myself 
from the press conference and doing all these one-sided interactions, which were good and funny, but I wasn't getting, uh, yeah, people feel like they need to watch these type mm-hmm. things. Right. Um, and, yeah, you know, I spent a lot of time on TikTok. I built a decent following over the pandemic. And get ready with me videos were just a very big thing. And I was like, nobody's going to get ready with videos for wrestling promos. So let's yeah. do that and see how it works. And I think the first one I did was with Killjoy, Rob Killjoy, for RWA. We did three of those. And I I think I got so caught up in how much fun I was having. I didn't really care about how many people was watching the video. Yes. I yeah. just was like, oh, I dropped the first one and was like, man, that was a lot of fun. I'm going to go cut two more. And I'd like literally yeah. went and recorded like two more promos right then and there um, and edit them. I usually only do like one promo for per show unless, you know, it's like a big build or something like that. But I got so caught up in having fun with what I was doing with the Get Ready With Me videos. I was like, I'm going to do three for this one show. Um, and then we carried it on. Um, and there's other styles of stuff I do, like the, the current one I'm doing where it's like I'm cutting a trailer promo and then the person off camera keeps having to get me to do retakes. Those are fun too, but yeah. it's just, it's different stuff. I'm just, yeah. It's, it's a really cool concept to like, you're doing genres of promo. Like, yeah, most guys are like, I don't, I don't know a good example. Like a Drew Hood promo is a Drew Hood promo. Um, yeah, like each guy, like they have their style and you're just like, what if I do everything? Yeah. And that's awesome. That's, that's exactly what I'm just like, Let's see what, let's see how far I can push it with different types of promos and see where I can go with it. So, um, I've been having fun with it. Promos have always been like my favorite part of the business for me. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it's what got you into it. That, that makes sense. Yeah. So it's just what I resonate to. It, It speaks to me and I love like. I love watching other people's promos and I get caught up in what they're talking about. Yeah. Like simple as that and it's just i feel like enough people don't cut them i just feel like period like guys don't cut them enough girls don't cut them enough like people don't i don't people are are failing to see the value in them Mm -hmm. um but one thing that we've been able to do at chester is kind of show the value in the promo because like what i do with my chester promos is i switch my music at apw chester every week every Mm -hmm. two weeks that's awesome when um they run every two weeks, and I always pick a different song. And the song is always whatever's playing at the end of the promo video. Um, so once fans at Chester started figuring that out, they would watch the promo just to see what song I was coming out to. With yeah, that's awesome. Yeah. Um, just little small things. But then, like, because that's the reason they're watching the promo, now they're watching it, now they're invested, and now they're. Now that you now that you got them there, yeah, exactly. So then, when we come out, I'm gonna get the big reaction for the babyface, and whoever I'm wrestling against as a heel is gonna get one of their loudest reactions as a heel at that yeah. show because we've gotten the fans invested through the promo mm-hmm. work. Um, so it's it's a lost art in my opinion. Yeah, people yeah. don't take advantage of. So. Yeah, I. Can we expect? I know you mentioned music at some point. A like a Joe Henry esque like a music video from you at any point in time. Most definitely. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah. So okay. So we'll give you a little peek into 
my creative process. So, okay. like, everything starts off as a non-wrestling idea for me. Mm. Um, I often, very, very often, um, will hear a song. And while I'm driving or while I'm sitting at home, I will come up with my own music video for that song in my head. I'll play the song on repeat. I'll see specific parts in and specific lyrics and things like that. And I've already like, I've got like four songs that I was like, oh, I can make this into a wrestling music video <laughs> promo real easy. I just have to have the right storyline for it or yeah. the right opponent for yeah. one or the other. So it's, it's it's there as an idea. I just gotta make it. It has to make sense in my head before. Oh, yeah, I yeah. yeah. And, and I'm very like over analytical of the stuff I put out. Like I told um uh that there's like easily that last promo I just put up. Um, Cam Jackson. I had the wrestle Cam Jackson mm -hmm. this past Saturday. And we did, I did another one of the like commercial director yeah. tape videos or whatever. I told I told him, I said, oh, I told Cam, actually, I told Cam this after the national center. I said, dude, I said, that video was two minutes and 20 seconds. I said, there was eight minutes worth of <laughs> content in there. And I spent easily two hours trying to go through and decide which ones were going in and which ones weren't like, yeah. Not eight minutes of like the same take over and over again. I mean, eight minutes of different takes every yeah. single time. Yeah. So like, I had way more stuff I could put in there. I was now, you know, two minutes is already kind of long for yeah. for promos. Uh, I feel like you know, as long as it's entertaining, people will watch it still, but you still don't want to push it too too much. Yeah. So. Yeah. We we cut a lot of it out, and maybe I'll be like a blooper. Yeah, and later Weird. down the line with the stuff that didn't make takes, but do like a Snyder yeah. Cut Patreon. Where you just <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that. Yeah, yeah. Maybe I'll that's cool. OnlyFans and like release my unreleased promo work. <laughs> so um, earlier you mentioned that that question of what would success in wrestling mean to you? What does success in wrestling mean to you? Um, my main goal in wrestling, as far as what's what considered to be successful, doesn't have to be a contract. It just, I have to be able to provide for myself and any family or future family I mm -hmm. have off of it. Um, that doesn't mean it has to be the main source of income. It doesn't mean it has to be the only source of income, but, you know, I'm getting up there in age now. So it's like at the point now where it's like, if you're going to keep doing it, it has to be beneficial. Yeah. Um, and, and, you know, time's getting away from us. And, you know, it's just like, I could be putting my energy elsewhere if I need to. Yeah. But this is where I want my energy to go. So success to me just looks, one, I have to be happy. Yeah. Um, that's just all to it. Um, and then two, I have to be financially stable off of it. Um even if that means wrestling opens a door for another avenue of income somewhere else yeah. that's not wrestling related. Yeah. If it just, even if I meet a contact that eventually leads me to success somewhere outside of wrestling, 
yeah. then wrestling was a success. Yeah. It just has to, when it's all said and done, wrestling has to put me in a better place than where I was when I started. And that's just all to it. And on the flip side, for what I can do for wrestling to consider it a success is I need to make sure that the people that I've come in contact with and impacted feel like I've pushed them to be better in some way, shape, or form. Um, whether it's out of sheer competition, like me and Drew, or like Drew Hood and me are super competitive against each other, yeah. completely. Um, obviously, he's one of the guys that actually the top promos in the Carolinas, as is. Um, seeing him put up a good promo makes me feel like I need to put up a better promo, and yeah. vice versa. So... In my head, that's me leaving the business better in a way, some way, shape, or form, and the business also making me better because both of us are trying to top each other. Yeah. Um, so there's that. I consider that a success. If I have more people saying I pushed them forward instead of backwards when I leave the business, then I did what I was supposed to do while I was here. Uh, contracts would be nice, but I also know sometimes I say and do things that aren't necessarily contract-friendly. So... <laughs> If it don't happen, I'm not surprised. If it does happen, hey, I'll take it. I'll be happy yeah. with it. I'm going to make the most of it. But we're going to have fun with it either way. So we'll see. Yeah. You, you mentioned The Rock, and I'm sure that's a big influence. Who are some of the other like big influences for you in wrestling? Um, Ernie Ladd was my favorite wrestler once I really got to dive into it. Mm -hmm. um, him and Macho Man and Randy Savage. Um as far as modern day wrestlers go, I was very big on Dolph Ziggler for years because of, as everybody says, his selling. Dolph, yeah. Dolph is just one of those guys, you can put him in the ring with anybody who's going to make him look like a star. And I think that is something that is lost on a lot of people, especially in just like indie wrestling alone. Yeah. Um, so many people get caught up in let me do this spot because it's going to get me over. Let me do this because it's going to do this for me and it's going to push me here. And yeah, but at the end of the day, we are trying to all advance. Mm. But if every match, all you're thinking about is what you can do to get yourself over as opposed to what you can do to get the entire mm. people involved over, the person on the other side of the ring, the storyline you guys are trying to tell, if there's an angle with referees or outside interference or things like that, yeah. the idea is to get everybody over. So I think Dolph became one of my favorites for years because I realized that <clears throat> as much as he wanted to be like world champion, the face of the company guy, <clears throat> he also understood that everybody can't be the face of the company. Yeah. And if the company is deciding that he's not the face, well then, mm -hmm. okay, well let's make everybody else look like, a yeah. million bucks while I'm here. Yeah. Um, so he was a guy. Um, let's see. Eddie Kingston was a big influence when I first got into indie wrestling. Yeah. Um, because I didn't know anything about the indies when I started training. It took me three years after I decided I wanted to be a wrestler to find a school to train at. Um, I had no contacts. I had no clue there was indie wrestling running in North Carolina. I didn't even know how to Google how to get in a business. I didn't know there were wrestling schools or anything like that. I literally thought, you know, you hear all these, you know, watching these shows going up and you see like the 
the guys in the audiences, like the Santino Morellas who get pulled out for yeah. Spot with Umada. And I'm thinking, oh, that's how you get signed. You just got to be there. Yeah. And kind of deal. So once I decided I wanted to get into it, I was like, well, clearly there's got to be more to it than that because everybody's not in the audience before mm-hmm. they get signed. Um, so I started doing some research and eventually we found out, uh, me and my roommate at the time had found out um, about, he reached out to Jay Lethal because uh-huh. he was, uh, my, my roommate was big. He knew about indie wrestling. I did. All I did yeah. was WWE. Um, he reached out to Jay Lethal and uh, took him a couple weeks to respond. But then he responded and told him about High Spots in Charlotte. Mm-hmm. I said, hey, check out High Spots. That's one of the schools in Charlotte I know um, that I would, you know, there's some people there that are pretty well trained or from there that are pretty well trained. So maybe mm-hmm. there. And that's what put us on the path to get into the business. Um, so, like, I don't know, like, I guess that's pretty much it. Because of the fact that there were so many years I wasn't allowed to watch it, that yeah. there was a big, there's a big portion of it that I missed. Like, I didn't get to watch the Monday Night Wars live like right. everybody else did. So, a lot of those memories everybody had, I kind of missed out on. Um, Truth be told, I haven't watched them still. I'm doing like a watch back right now, but I started a little too late. I started where my memory started. So yeah. I yeah. started with the Raw before the SmackDown, the very first episode of SmackDown. Yeah. And I've been watching Raw and SmackDown and all the pay-per-views and now Raw, SmackDown, and ECW from 1999 all the way up to where I'm at now in 2009. Yeah. So I've done t- 10 years worth of wrestling in a year and a half worth of time. Yeah. Um, but wanted to go back and do the Monday Night Wars just to kind of get some some insight on the WCW side of things. Yeah, because there's guys that came from incredibly WCW underrated WWE that that I that as everybody tells me stuff, and I'll I'll go and watch like people will tell me, oh, go watch this match for this one guy, and I'll go, okay, cool, and it'll be like a Halloween Havoc match or something like. That. So I'll go watch those. I've seen yeah random matches. I just haven't watched things all the way through. And I was like, I feel like I probably would get a lot more from my time in this business when I go back and finish doing that rewatch of the Monday Night Wars and that even maybe the people who are influencing like my in-ring styles and mannerisms and things like that might change as well. Um, Those are some guys that come in hot. Like I'm a fan of their work, even if they don't last on WWE TV long. Like Mm -hmm. Jerry Lynn was on TV for like two to three weeks and I was like, yo, who's this guy? And then he's just gone. So I'm like, well, now I got to go back and watch ECW because I want to see old yeah. school Jerry Lynn stuff, you know? Um, and he was one of the first, like, legends that I've met in the business when I got in. I met him at an airport randomly uh, while I was doing a delivery for Hotspots. Um, luckily, he didn't ask me any questions about his previous matches because I would have looked like uh, <laughs> Yeah. But um, I feel like there's maybe one more person. Obviously, Rock. Uh, yeah. Oh, um, goofy. Um, I was a big, I was a big Kane guy. Everybody was Undertaker. I was a big Kane guy. Yeah, that's fair. Um, <laughs> Kane hit a real strong stride, like 2002 to like maybe I want to say two, late 2003, early 04, and then going into like 07, 08, 
Um, so I got my first apartment in 2007. So from the time I moved into my first apartment, I could watch it nonstop. Yeah. Uh, obviously. So from that point forward, I've watched wrestling consistently. Um, but obviously that's like 2007 is eight years before I get into the business. So Kane was just somebody who like, I've always was like, yo, I get it. Taker's creepy and I love spooky stuff. I really do. Mm-hmm. It's like my, yeah, that's why my first character as a wrestler was monster gimmick that we're doing. Um, but like <clears throat> Kane was just, I felt like, I don't want to say he was a better worker. I felt like he entertained me more. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I get um, that. There were more, Kane did a lot more character aspects. Undertaker was really kind of two ways. Yeah. Uh, you had Dead Man and then, you know, American Badass. So, like, obviously you got Ministry Taker and things like that, but that still really kind of falls under the Dead Man persona. Yeah. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Kane, you, you had the mask Kane that didn't speak. You had weird robot voice Kane for the brief moment in time period. You had Kane without the mask, which is where he, I feel Terrifying. like he really started to blossom. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, like, and then, like, you know, he plays back and forth for when he's going to wear the mask and he doesn't. But there was just so many different character switches that felt like for him. And I was just like, man, I just, every single time he changed or he went baby face to heel or heel to baby, I was always invested. Yeah. So, and I spent a lot of time, like when I first got in the business, I spent a lot of time watching Kane stuff because I was just like, like for character work and for like, how he moves in the ring. He's yeah. a big guy who moves well. So I was just like, I'm a bigger guy. I was a lot bigger back then. Um, let me find someone who kind of does what I'm kind of looking to kind of lean into a little bit. Yeah. Kane, Kane was a big influence. Yeah, He was like, like Undertaker, obviously worker, 30-year career, but like Kane was on TV every like week having the he matches was, that Undertaker yeah. wasn't. Like uh, rightfully so, Undertaker, you saved the moments. But Kane was... Like week always to week. there, yeah. And I, I remember when I started watching, it was like 08, and it was just around the time of the See No Evil movie, and I remember I saw that yeah. before I saw Kane, so I associated yeah. them as one of the same. I was terrified of Kane. Yeah. Are you kidding me? <laughs> as you should have been. Yeah. If your first introduction to See No Evil, then you see him on TV, yeah. you know, I'd be like, yo, yeah, why like, are you Like, and his theme with the lyrics was awesome, yeah. and he was just, oh, and he was working every week, like, Taker, there was a time when he was an every week guy, but Kane was an every week guy his whole career. So I'm gonna, I'm gonna, I don't know if anybody's paid attention to this. So, okay, I'll say, let me preface this. In my rewatch, there's uh, two, there's one person, Yaya, Big Time Yaya, uh, another North Carolina guy who, he had a lot of buzz, and then people, for whatever reason, doesn't get booked down here a lot, and gets booked up in New York a mm-hmm. lot. Um, but, uh, Super talented. One of my best friends in this business. Probably my best friend in this business, to be honest with you. Um, but he's doing the rewatch with me. So when I started, because he got to watch this stuff live. So he wants to see how I'm reacting to stuff and see if it relates to how yeah. he reacts. Um, me and him, so, and we talk about, you know, where, where we're at or where I'm at in the watch. I told him, I said, hey, man, I don't know if you noticed this. I said, since we started this rewatch in 99, Undertaker hasn't worked a full year. (laughs) 
Yeah, that's he about literally right. works a couple months and then he's off TV for like six or seven months. Yeah. From '99 all the way up to 2009, it's been consistent. He's never worked a full year from '99 all the way up to 2009. And I was just, I every time the year switches, I say I always start, and I just started uh, 2009 like last week. Um, we're going into Mania now of 2009, so we're doing the whole Randy Orton Triple H story. Yeah, line. The- yeah. Yes. Legacy and all that crap. Yes, too. the start of legacy. Exactly. Yeah, we are right there. It's in a beautiful spot right now. And as soon as as soon as I finished 2008, and we started 2009, I said, "All right, let's see where Taker's at." He doesn't do anything. He has his match with Sean. Like, but he get, he's he's chilling until. So JBL and Sean just finished their story where, you know, Sean was working for JBL. And now the week after they did the blow off for that, they JBL says he wants to challenge Taker for a streak. And then Sean says, no, I'm challenging for a streak. So they wrestle. Sean wins. Now they're saying the winner has to face Vladimir Kozlov. Yeah. Who hasn't shown, but, who, but who hasn't shown up yet? Undertaker. Still haven't seen Taker. <laughs> they don't mention his name, but still haven't seen the man. Yeah. Like you saw him you saw him at the rumble. Obviously. Yeah. Um, but other than that, he's he's not there. Um two thousand eight was probably the most active he was because he won the world title um and had to deal with Edge. Um so I did notice he put more time in two thousand eight than he's than I think I've seen the entire time that I've watched. Yeah. Um so but yeah, he, he wasn't he wasn't on no way out. Uh, we I just finished that with the elimination chamber matches. Um, I'm gonna hold on to this piece of information, <laughs> like because people all, all the time talk about that the Undertaker's one of the best work rate guys ever, and in matches you can argue that. But yeah. schedule wise, I mean, yeah. schedule joke, wise, he took his he took his time. The joke of the last ten years was well, he works once a year. But the fact that you could almost argue in the last 25 years, <laughs> like, not working a whole like, lot. Yeah. Prior to the once a year thing, it was like he was working half a year, almost. Like, okay, you guys get six months out of these 12. Yeah. Y'all pick the six, but I'm also getting those six off is what it kind of felt like. Yeah. Or maybe it was just, you know, he had put his time in and they respected the fact that, you know, he was aging. Also, something that, um, my, my first trainer, my original trainer, uh, George South taught me was that like some guys, it was something he taught me coming in. He was like, because I was a lot bigger than guys you see on the independent wrestling scene as far as height um, and even weight, really. Um, I was 6'6", 330 pounds when I started. So it's yeah. like, he's like, I'm going to tell you something. He said, honestly, the reason why like Andre the Giant was such a big name was because you didn't see him all the time. He was a special attraction. So I'm when I see Taker, like, you know, only being there a couple of months at a time and going off for a couple of months and coming back for a couple of months, I kind of look at it like that. Okay, yeah, that's like, fair. I think, I think he hit the point where he realized I kind of superseded just being a regular wrestler and now I'm an attraction. Like, people yeah. literally come with hopes of hearing that gong. Yeah. And like my trainer said, when you become to that point where you're the attraction, 
the more they see you, the less it means. So yeah. the scarcer it is that they see you, the bigger reaction you get when you show up. Yeah. As long as they don't forget about you. And nobody's ever going to forget about Undertaker. So um, his gong could hit this Friday on SmackDown for no reason and the crowd will lose it just because they think he's about to come out. Oh, for sure. Yeah. yeah. So I think that's the striding hit. The only thing is I arguably said that Kane could have had the same level of like he's an attraction because people love game where I'm at right now in 2009 they're like he's a heel because he's been beating up Ray Mysterio <laughs> but when his music hits his music hit at the rumble reaction the mm-hmm. uh, elimination chamber match he was in no way out when the buzzer went off and he came out reaction like yeah people are going to react to Kane so he could have taken that whole I'm an attraction approach as well if he wanted to but he didn't and I'm not sure if he had the option with like management or you know booking or anything like that but if he did have the option and he chose to work I think that speaks volumes because it's not like it's not like his work was going down while he was there bro it was yeah some good matches he's kind of like like the Dolph Ziggler kind of type because he like he's the guy yeah. that they everybody like Kane was he, Kane was never going to win the match but he was the guy that they built people a on. few years ago there was a stat that like he had the most losses in WWE history which was just that's that's yeah. crazy wow it's wild to hear right <laughs> like, yeah but one of the biggest and, and most physically dominating guys has the most losses and and it's not like like with Ziggler the kind of joke is like well he's probably gonna lose but other other guys gonna look good with Kane you never believed he was gonna lose yeah <laughs> you always thought like okay well Kane's gonna win and then for some reason he didn't you were like okay well the way they did it made sense but <laughs> it, I really it felt like a deal every yeah. time yeah yeah so it's yeah I think I would kind of say that like Kane was one of those guys where I. Maybe it's one of those things where he always felt like he's going to end up playing second fiddle to Taker. Yeah. Because uh, they kind of fall under the same character of big guys with, like, spooky characters type deals. So, obviously, when you talk about horror characters to wrestling fans, the first person they're going to come up with is Taker. Mm-hmm. And then, usually, Kane's right behind it. But Taker's usually first. Yeah. Because he's the more well-known one. So, maybe... Maybe he was like, "Well, if I'm gonna, if I'm not gonna be the guy, like I said, what do I say? If I'm not gonna be the guy, mm-hmm. I'm gonna make everybody I'm in there with look like they're the guy when they beat me." Yeah. Um, and that's what so because people they erupt anytime Rey Mysterio beats Kane in a match. Yeah. Might just be love for Rey, but I feel like it's got something to do with with Kane as well. So for sure, yeah. Uh, the last two K game had that as part of the showcase. Were their big yeah. match with the like the stop sign and everything and really yeah that was twenty two to get twenty two yeah 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 the Ray on the cover that one yeah yep. that's the one I didn't get <laughs> yeah. I wasn't um, so I was not in the next generation system family at the time I was yeah. only on PlayStation which is wild because you know I was I still had a PlayStation four which a lot of people consider the next generation still but it wasn't five right yeah so like. I'm real weird about stuff. So like once gaming comes out, like a new system comes out, 
And in my head, I'm like, they don't make the same game for the older system. They make mm-hmm. a watered down version for the older system, which takes the fun out of it for me. So yeah. they're like, I was like, I have PS4. I don't want WWE 2K. On PS4 <laughs> Probably for the but best. Yeah, like, oh yeah. So, um, I mean, I have a five now and 2K23 that I can't put the controller down on. Right. Um, yeah, it's it's great. I lost a lot of time <laughs> to 2K last year. Cause it was yeah, like the, f- it was the first like it was took me back to like playing on the day of reckoning on the GameCube like, everybody's yeah. got like their favorite game. It took me back to like that point in time where it was yeah. just like, this is amazing. Which I don't know that they've done yeah. before, but yeah, I definitely lost like a couple of months to la- last year's two K. To to the point yeah. that like so I've been playing it. I'm like you need to get to like there's something you need to get any refuses to yeah because it's like i i i need the yeah. time i was I, i'm sorry yeah i've been looking like for a i was on the job hunting for the past two months i was like dude if if, if i get 2k i'm not i'm never gonna get a job so i was like once i get my job <laughs> i will get 2k but until then so i will will venture off from wrestling for a brief second here yeah so i was very much um I, you know, I do DoorDash. That's my income right now. Yeah. Outside of uh, wrestling. So I was like, all right, well, DoorDash has been cool, but, you know, might need to go get like a Monday through Friday for a little bit. Mm-hmm. Just kind of build up some extra money and kind of uh, get some things in motion financially um, to kind of help fund things for wrestling. Yeah. Uh, better gear. Well, more than one gear at a piece of gear at a time, you know, more merch and things like that. Things that can help bring in more revenue and make me look more like mm-hmm. a complete product type deal. Um, so I said, it's like, I got the money to get a five. I'm not going to get it until I get something stable work-wise. It's yeah. not DoorDash. Um, and then, so a couple months ago, there was a girl for my birthday. She told me she was going to get me one out of nowhere. I didn't ask her for it. She asked me what I wanted from a workout, so I didn't want anything. And she was like, well, we got to get you something. And I was like, no, you don't have to give me nothing. And then we just, you know, conversation continued, but it wasn't about my birthday or gifts or anything like that. Mm-hmm. And I made mention that I didn't have a PlayStation 5. And she told me she's going to get me one for my birthday. And she didn't get it for me for my birthday. So yeah. I was like, I cut her off because I was like, I didn't <laughs> ask you for that. You, you yeah. unprovoked offered it, got my feelings and yeah. all high and stuff. <laughs> Um, so just a little inside tip. So like me and we went to Paramore was in town last night for Charlotte, uh, yeah. for a concert. I was and there. myself and, and, uh, you were? Yeah. Nice. I yeah. Too. We had, so, um, me and Keith Mack were. I saw Keith Mack. Yeah. I might have seen <laughs> you. Yeah. I was like, is that Keith Mack? I was sitting with, I was sitting with him. I, uh, I saw him walking in the hallway. And, yeah. Oh, he's going to get a beer if he's yeah. in the hallway by himself. Yeah. Yeah. Small world. Um, well. <laughs> A crown and coke, or but um, so the same girl who had promised me the PlayStation Five uh, had been communicating with Keith over the past couple months mm-hmm. or whatever, and he put me on his story last night while we were at the Paramore concert. Yeah, and I guess she saw it and felt guilty. So while I'm in the concert, I get an email from her or an Instagram message from her, 
um, just apologizing for everything. And then two screenshots from Best Buy saying that my PlayStation 5 would be available for pickup today at the store closest to my house. So when you said, I like, I, yeah, I recently got a PS5, yeah, you yeah. meant today. <laughs> yeah, this morning. Like, this morning I went and picked it up from Best Buy and oh. have not gotten off of it until I had to go to the gym. I was like, oh, yeah, that's I should incredible. go to the gym because I got this interview later and I should probably go to the gym now. So, um, well, thank you for sh- I wouldn't have shown up. I would have been like, uh. No, like, <laughs> if you would have been like, hey, got PS5 today, can we reschedule? I'd be like, hey, Please. I get it. Yeah. <laughs> I got a day off tomorrow and I have nothing to do afterwards other than eat so we got plenty of time to really dive into the playstation 5 yeah over the next year. so she got me she got me the playstation 5 and bought me hogwarts legacy oh yeah that's great yeah which is wild because i haven't seen any of the harry potter movies but i want to yeah um but the game itself i'm big on like RPG video games and mm-hmm. open world games and things like that. Those it's a weird, it's a genre that people don't really expect for me to play, but I'm very big on those. Yeah. My wrestling persona is a guy who suffers from uh, multiple disassociative personality disorder. Uh, it's almost like split personalities, except none of the personalities know of each other, except for the main personality, which is like an id persona. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, which yes. is where <laughs> I've seen split. Yeah, so, yeah, exactly. So, like, yeah, it's very similar to Split. Yeah. Um, and Glass, like that. There was a game in the 90s on PlayStation called Xenogears. It's based around this character called Faith Fong Wong, and he has that same symptom. So, that's what I base my persona off because that was my favorite video game growing up. Mm-hmm. And a lot of times, as I was moving up, people were like, man, your personality is like all over the place. We never know what we're getting with you. It's usually always good, but yeah. every now and then you'll get something random. And I was like, hmm. So when I got into wrestling, I was like, ooh, let's tap into that. Because yeah. the first thing my trainer told me was like, the people who are most successful are the people who ex- over accentuate the better qualities of themselves. Mm-hmm. So I was like, well, let's take what I know about myself and try and maximize it for everybody so i got my whole persona from that um but it's an rpg game so that's where the love for it came from yeah. so then getting into like final fantasies and all this other stuff yeah. obviously um and playing those as well i still do the sports games and the fighting games and if you put a controller in my hand and put injustice 2 on i'm taking you to town <laughs> but the rpgs were like my real i love good storytelling yeah so so that's why it connects to it. And that's why I, it's probably all plays into the promo thing again, too, because it's just like, yeah. everything tells a story. And I just yeah. love storytelling. It's just, yeah. Um, we're going to get on Hogwarts, but <laughs> I have a real weird, uh, let me watch the movies first <laughs> before, let me watch the first one well, before I Yeah. <laughs> Well, you know, um, it's one of those games that you could truly dive into with nothing because it's a it's its own story completely disjointed from everything. Um, yeah, that's what, um, though, I mean, I get wanting to watch the movies. I mean, they're great. Yeah, once you finish, I just, just want to watch like the first one. All uh, yeah, don't get me wrong. I've get get the vibe. To watch, I've attempted to watch them, but I've attempted to watch them with people who won't typically let me watch the movie. Um, the first time. Um, my boy, my homeboy, who's they both everybody I've tried to watch with are huge Harry Potter fans. People don't 
understand that when I've never seen it, you can't talk to me while I'm watching the movie because yeah. I'm yeah. missing stuff. So like, I'll sit there and be like trying not to be mean, but also <laughs> being very short because I'm like. We're watching the movie. Like, stop having a full blown conversation with me. I'm trying to, because when the second movie starts and I don't know who this person is, you're gonna be like, "Did you not pay attention?" I'm like, "No," because you wouldn't shut the hell up. So, like, <laughs> um, so um, I've tried to watch the movies twice, both times, uh, couldn't finish. But the stuff that I was able to pay attention to caught my attention. It's just yeah. people wouldn't allow me to finish it. So now that and then I procrastinate because I get in the habit of watching the same stuff over again or yeah. watching 10 years of wrestling. And yeah, you've, got, you've got 14 um, years till you're caught up, so. <laughs> right. So, uh, so like, but well, there's a stopping point with that, though. So I'm just like, I'm only watching up till Dolph Ziggler wins the world title. And then we're going to put a pause on it and go watch WCW and some ECW stuff from back in the, when they were in their prime. Um and really kind of got into that, but for about a year and a half, nothing better than WCW. That's what everybody keeps telling me, and I really yeah. want to get into it and see. I'll, I'll be honest with you, though. I'll say with the watch through, um, there's some hidden gym matches on like ECW, like the yeah. Um, storylines aren't the best. I'm still kind of upset with how they did my man. Finley because he was such a threat when he first came in. Oh yeah, totally. On SmackDown and, and Yeah, he was if you guys ever take the time to sit down and watch his like first year and a half, two years of wrestling with SmackDown, yeah. He was beating everybody's ass. Yeah. That's, oh yeah. Everybody. That's when I was starting watching him and his shillelagh. Like he came out of nowhere. Like who the fuck is this guy? And it was and a style oh no gosh. one was working yeah. yet. Exactly. He's so physical. I remember um he was in a feud with Bobby Lashley. Um, and it was just so funny to me because, you know, you know how most typical feuds go, you know, somebody, the baby faces up and then the heel gets on them and maybe they're out for injury for two weeks. Yeah. And then the heel is doing something dirty to somebody else. And then boom, there goes the music, big pop, baby face, come makes the save. And the heel takes a big move or powders or whatever. That wasn't Finley's story at all. Finley came in, he put the hands on Bobby Lashley. Bobby Lashley went out for two weeks. He came back while Finley was putting the hands of somebody else. The music hits. Bobby Lashley gets in the ring, and Finley decks him with the shillelagh. <laughs> I don't care that you just came back. Like, out of the ring. Like, I said, yo, this man just beating everybody up. Like, and it was believable. It was so believable. Yeah. <clears throat> they did the whole angle with Vince and Swaggle and oh, yeah. things, and then after that, it just seemed like they – Seemed like he got pushed to more comedy than being a serious wrestler, and I was just like, "Man, I there's a lot of guys I feel like could have got at least one world title run." Yeah, like him and Regal, I think are two big misses on world title runs, <laughs> especially Regal, especially Regal. Oh my sure. gosh! After winning the King of the Ring, oh my god, yeah, my gosh, that man was masterful. Um, I understand he got into some trouble that really kind of derailed anything they were planning for him at the time. But when I tell you, so once again, moved out, then moved back in with my parents for like a year. 
um, and they didn't have cable still. Eventually, they got with Times. Um, so I missed another portion of Raw. Yeah. And one of the portions I missed that I just saw for the first time through the watchback was when Regal won King of the Ring. Yeah. And he was also the general manager of Raw. And there was just one episode where he just cuts the show off in the middle of the main event. Like you don't see the finish to the match or nothing. Just cuts it off. Yeah. And the promo package they put together for the recap made this man seem like the most evil genius in the world. And like he had all the power in his hands. And you you couldn't have like if, if I was living and paying attention and able to watch Raw in that day and age, back two thousand eight or seven, seven going into eight or eight or whatever. You couldn't have told me he wasn't about to win the world title. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because it was just like his in-ring was on top. His promo game's always been great to me. And the character work was just untouchable at that moment. I think it's a missed opportunity. There's a lot of watching back now. I think there's a lot of people I'm like, why didn't they pull the trigger on? <laughs> uh, Hurricane Helms, when he came back uh, yeah. for a United States title run, I felt like he could have got a United States title run when he came back with the... Um, the it's time entrance music and he had like two or three weeks where he won his matches which led to him having one-on-one with Shelton for the United States Championship and they put on such a great match and then Shelton still goes over which Shelton's a great talent one of the best in the business better be a future Hall of Famer but I was like man knowing that Shelton gets multiple mid-card title runs throughout the course of his career, like, you probably could have pulled the trigger and let Hurricane get one United States run. Yeah, that would have been um, awesome. Don't let, maybe not let him keep it as long as he kept the Cruiserweight title, but, you know, maybe, like, a month, like, transitional championship month, just to give him that title rub, and then maybe he drops it back to Shelton and continue the storyline. I don't know. Yeah. So speaking of missed opportunities, um, Drew Hood, can you cons- uh, can you confirm that he doesn't season his food? Um, I've never tasted it because I care about my health. Um, <clears throat> I've seen I've seen his food in person. It doesn't look anything like the food I cook, even though it's mm-hmm. the same. Food, yeah, like his chicken doesn't look like my chicken. <laughs> we'll leave it at so, that. Thank, thank you yeah. for your time. Yeah, <laughs> yeah you, know, you know, I'm not gonna say maybe he doesn't put paprika on it. I don't know. Maybe, <laughs> it's just, maybe, maybe it just looks, looks like flavorless chicken, but tastes amazing. I don't know. Yeah, um, he said he's gotten better. Uh, but he also has not posted. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. Exactly. You know, so people can say that all day. It's easy to prove that mm-hmm. you've gotten better by like, especially in the day and age of social media, where you uh, just, just post a picture. You just have to throw one look. picture up. Yeah. That's it. That's all we need. That's it. Some That's chicken next to today's morning. newspaper. <laughs> all you have to do is take one picture, and then you just have to deal with like a week worth of people being like, "Oh my God, you actually seasoned your food," and after that, you'll be good. Yeah. He. Being how entertaining he is, he just needs to do like a whole promo series about the character development of that he's finally seen. Like taking a food. cooking class? Yeah, like, that'd that be would amazing. be fucking gold. That would be amazing. And that's more of the out of the box thinking 
that I'm looking for from people in their promos. Like, yeah. Don't just don't just sit there staring at the camera. Everybody does that. <laughs> get out of your car. <laughs> please, please get out of the car. <laughs> oh my god! Or at least do something interesting in the car. I've got yeah. an idea for a promo. I'm not gonna say it because I don't want nobody to take it. That <laughs> might hear this. And when it, I'm gonna do it, I already told uh, uh, Jordan Holt. I already told him the idea. He was like, "Well, what's the purpose of this?" And I said, "Just to have people be like, right now, what the fuck, like." <laughs> Um, <laughs> it's gonna be you'll know because it's okay, gonna be okay. a car video promo. Yeah. So when I post it, you'll be like, "Oh, that's it's the one." Rayhan in a car. Let's watch and see what he does. <laughs> when it gets to the point where you're like, "I just realized what's going on right now," you, people are gonna be like, "Okay, what?" Some then people who don't know me as well are gonna start to see. How much is really kind of off up here? Yeah, <laughs> with me, because the people who spend time with me, my friends love me. They do, and I love them. But I don't think anybody questions me more than the people that I hang out with, because it's they're just kind of like, "Why do you think like this?" <laughs> um, who hurt you? Like- <laughs> <laughs> that's exactly what it is. That's yeah. I make a lot of I make a lot of dead mom jokes. And I make them at my own expense. And sometimes I go out of my way to get to the joke just because I know it makes other people uncomfortable. Yeah. Uh, it's just, I have a weird, I have a dark humor too, but I also have a very weird sense of humor that's very sporadic. And it causes people to question my sanity. A <laughs> <laughs> um, so um, it's really just a no filter thing though. It's just like, yeah. as stuff comes to my head, I just let it come out. But I know what's okay to say and what's not okay to say. Like, yeah. I'm never going to, like, cross, like, a politically incorrect line just for the sake of a joke. Right. Was that. Um, but. Maybe in youth group. <laughs> <laughs> definitely in youth group. But, I mean, that's also, you know, it's also coming from a very closed-minded set of individuals yes. at that point in time. So it's like, you know, um, the things that I said back then were okay with the group I was with. Yeah. If I was still in that group right now, they would still think there was nothing wrong with those jokes. Yeah. Um, My dad was a pastor growing up. So I'm very, very familiar. Yeah. Yeah. I grew up Catholic. (laughs) Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I get it. (laughs) Yeah. Both y'all understand. Yes. Yeah. Awesome. I do. Going back to, to your rewatch. This is the last thing I want to bring up. Uh, can we talk about Heidenreich? <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> I recently started re-watching. Like, I wanted to go back and watch when I started. So, like, I started in 2004. That was, so, like, him and Michael Cole in the oh, corner, man. him doing the poetry. Like, what was that? Hey, man, I'm going to tell you right now. You can't tell me Michael Cole didn't get taken in that room. <laughs> okay. Let me, all right, let me break. Okay. <laughs> all right, here we go. All right, all right. So I watched that, obviously, for the rewatch. Yeah. And I I remember that vividly from, because. It stays was, with was, you. Yeah, yeah. It, was on, it was on SmackDown. So I yeah. was able to sneak and watch that. There are certain moments in wrestling where I'm like, this is supposed to be very prison-esque. And there was, there's two moments in particular where it happened. 
And the first one is the Heidenreich situation with Michael Cole, where he takes him away from the commentary table and takes him to the back into the, like a boiler room. And I'm going to tell you exactly how it looks on camera. All right. And this is why my brain goes to he had to get taken that night. Yeah. <laughs> Before they go to commercial break, Heidenreich has Michael Cole against the wall. Michael Cole's face is against the wall and his back's to Heidenreich. Yes. When they come back from commercials, they're face to face. He got taken. <laughs> this is uh, let me cuddle you and snuggle you after the <laughs> The second time where I was like, this is very prison esque, was with Ryback, where he made the dude get in the shower, get in the shower, turn I remember water, that. open up the bag. I was like, yo, what is going on? And why is this on TV? Because I feel like. The next step, you're not supposed to be able to show on, yeah. on TV. Like, yeah, at all. feed um, me more is it takes on a very different meaning in that scene. <laughs> it really does. It really does. And I was just like, ooh, both of those moments. Heidenreich. Okay, Heidenreich kind of frustrates me, and this is the reason why. So when he first came in, you know, obviously he's green. You can tell he's green. Um, and. But he's learning. You can see that he's starting to put it together. Yeah. Right? Um, does he get to the point where you look at him and say, yeah, future world champion? No. Absolutely not. But solid mid-carder? Definitely. Um, tag team guy? Yeah, it could work if you got the right person. The thing that aggravates me the most about Heidenreich, he started doing the poetry gimmick, and it wasn't getting over at first. But then it started to get over, and it started to get over really well, and they stuck him with the Road Warrior, and it killed it. Yeah. Yeah. And then after that, you don't see him no more. And I was just like, that freaking sucks. There's so many guys that I wish I knew, like, what happened behind the scenes. Oh, yeah. Now, just because I'm like, I don't understand why they never, not necessarily made it to, like, main event but why they didn't have longer runs or at yeah. least more opportunities um one guy in particular before i'm at right now well i guess now he's gone technically uh manu the uh often seekers yeah he um, was because he was brought in to be in legacy for the for the legacy i remember angle. that and so like when i started when i got to that point of the watchback where he showed up and then off uh sim snooker as well uh snooker's son um or well, who was he, Deuce or Domino? Uh, I think it was prior to the, Deuce. I think he was Deuce. I think he was Deuce, yeah. Um, so, like, there's two different things. So, like, with, with, with Snuka, he had good in ring, but something about him being in the ring didn't seem believable mm -hmm. to me, as far as like, he just didn't look like he belonged on TV to me. Yeah. Um, in the sense of, there were. Like, in-ring wrestling-wise, he was clean. There's nothing there. But I was just saying, like, nothing about him screaming superstar type deal. And then the, when they separated him and Deuce and Domino, or separated him from the tag team and started bringing him out in random matches every now and then, he had a good look for the most part, but he wore this weird cut-off shirt. Um, and then he would wrestle in the shirt. And I was like, this just doesn't look like it's not a good look it's not making you look like hey i want to be here i want to give you the best type presentation type deal um and not saying you can't look that way on tv with a t-shirt because very much i wrestled with a t-shirt for years 
but something about the shirt he was wearing just was not working with what he was wearing wrestling wise and it just gave him an awkward look and then for him not to really shine like on microphone or promos or anything like that to really kind of accentuate the character kind of works but manu however so in my head i'm thinking okay manu must be kind of like the same thing maybe that's why they stopped using him but I really don't get it with why he didn't have a bigger career because his entering was solid. He wasn't bad when they let him talk. He had personality. I enjoyed, like, he hasn't had, he didn't have a lot of matches where he wrestled, but the time he did, the stuff he was doing looked good to me. And I felt like they just, there were so many random things they did where they, they felt like there should have been some type of follow up and then maybe furthering of people's careers. So, like, yeah. The legacy thing happens, right? Randy Orton's looking for his people. Um, he tells Cody, Manu, and Snuka, hey, if you lose, you're out. Because uh, he had already punted DiBiase Jr. in the head um, for the fake out later on. Um, Cody wins. Manu loses. Snuka wins. The next week, it's a tag match, Cody and Snooker versus somebody. Cody gets the pin. They kick Snooker out because Cody won technically mm-hmm. and Snooker didn't. Manu and Snooker take that personally. Now they're saying they're going to jump Randy and Cody has to pick a side. And they even got an extra helper, Ted DiBiase Jr., to come help jump Randy, mm-hmm. right? They come out. Turns out DiBiase's with Randy and Orton. They jump Manu and Snooker. So, naturally, what should happen next? A match, right? Yeah. No, that's it. You don't see Snooker or Manu no more. What? Yeah, that was it. Yeah. They got... Even if it's just a 2v2, that would make sense. Yeah, no, it was just... They were gone. They didn't... They showed the recap the next week on Raw. (laughs) And after that, you don't see Manu or Snooker no more. Well, you don't see Snooker until he drops Taker and dies in a couple months. But you don't see Manu anymore. He's just gone. Yeah. Like... But it was that's twice with Cody that that happened where there was there should have been some type of follow up when him and Hardcore Holly were champs. Yeah. And then DiBiase comes in and it turns out him and Cody are actually tag partners. And then they attack Hardcore Hardcore to become tag champs. Hardcore Holly doesn't come back for his lift yeah. back. He just that's it. He's gone. I haven't seen Hardcore Holly since DiBiase and him jumped him. And I was just like. Okay, I get if you got. I don't know if he ever that. comes back after no, that. I think that's it. He's gone. I don't think we see him anymore. And I was like, okay, even if his contract was expiring, or you guys knew you were about to let him go, or whatever, still finish that out. Like, cause yeah. it, and just like as a grown man, if somebody does that to me, I'm gonna try and get my leg back. Like, so just like realistically, especially hardcore Holly being having the reputation he had, um, of being like the tough guy, the guy that was going to put his hands on anybody who disrespected him, there should have been at least a match blow-off of yeah. that. Granted, I know he didn't have Crash anymore because Crash had already passed for years prior before, but there was there's just a little bit of thought. There was a way to work it to where at least he tries to get his lick back and puts them over on the way out as kind of like, you know, all right, guys, you guys are good to go. But maybe they had that plan and he just didn't want to do it. I don't yeah. know what the situation was. Yeah. Again, these are reasons why I would like to know what... This is what keeps you up at night. <laughs> Very much so. Very much so. 
awesome. I could probably talk about 2000s SmackDown and Raw probably all night. Um, I'm sure Christian could too, but we want to let you get back to your uh, PlayStation. So I have uh, a question I ask every week. Um, who do you think more people should know about? Um, you could, you've already mentioned a few from Raw and SmackDown. You could throw those in there too, but like your peers and people that need, like, that you want to elevate to the next level for them. Um, okay. Um, well, I, I did already mention, uh, Detanya or Yaya. Yeah. The gifted one. Uh, that's definitely one. Ian Maxwell as well. Um, let's see. Man. Man, those guys are Cam Jackson. Okay. I know you guys have interviewed him and people have probably said his name, but I just want to point out that people don't realize how hard it is to have a bad match with Cam Jackson. <laughs> and that's just who brought him up the recently man, the man he knows how to connect with the crowd whether he's mm. baby or heel mm. he knows where his where he needs to be he knows what level he needs to be on yeah and he knows how to get them to the level they need to be on for him to have the match that the promoter wants him to have i feel like cam jackson is probably one of the guys in this business who, especially in this area, who is getting overlooked by a lot of people. A lot of people not saying they don't recognize his talent, they're not giving mm. him opportunities. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, 100%. <laughs> people will say, oh, Cam Jackson's good, Cam Jackson's good. But then you'll see all these promotions coming up in the Carolina area, and they're booking all the same Carolina guys over and over and over again. Um, and Cam Jackson... <laughs> Um, in the bigger promotions that run in North Carolina is not one of those mainstays, and I feel like he should be. Yeah. Um, Jordan Holt, uh, and then, uh, some of these are going to seem kind of biased because these are my guys, but still, um, the work speaks for itself. Jordan Holt and Zay Vega, um, they're two members of my other game group that I'm building at the moment. The reason why they were picked was because when they started training, I saw something that I just did not see in a lot of new guys coming into the business. And that was a very dedicated hunger to getting better as quick as possible, learning everything they could as quick as possible so that they way, that way they could elevate their game and start to learn even more. And they never stopped learning. So seeing that from Jump Street, I knew they had what it takes to be in the business. How they apply it is up to them. Mm -hmm. But seeing how they've grown in-ring-wise since they first started training, those two singles or as tag, they're going to make some waves if they make the right moves in the business. And I think people need to realize that. Um, let's let's shout some girls out, too. Yeah, please um, do. Definitely want to shout out. Um, I'm assuming it's Erica. Oh, the my hero always yeah. throws me off. Yeah, Erica and Damien. Okay, um, her because who do you know coming into the business with that much dedication to their character work right off gate? Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, the before she even had her first match, I was invested into her career because of all the work she put into the camera stuff that she was doing building the character, getting the hype behind her built up before she had her first match. That is just, 
Man, for, and for her to be 18, that's, man, that's a mentality you're not going to see on a lot of 18-year-olds. Mm-hmm. Um, and she's a female who's not afraid to cut promos, which is very rare at this point in time because I love women's wrestling and I will put it over any day of the week. But my God, the lack of promos from, from women wrestlers highly agitates me because it could take them so much further if they just put more time in it, but it just doesn't seem like they see the value in it. So to find someone like her who does is refreshing. So I'll always, 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 always put her over. Um, Let's see some other people I can put over uh, that are really, really good. Jada Fire, or Jada Stone, sorry, wrong Jada, Jesus Christ. Um, <laughs> you don't have to edit that out. People know, people know who she is, they know who she is. Okay. Jesus Christ. Okay. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jada Stone. Jada Stone. Uh, let's see. Uh, are we just doing local, or is it just people like anybody? Yeah. That it doesn't have to okay, be local. Um, uh, I think uh, there's a wrestler up in New York um, for one of the promotions I work for, Battle Club. Her name is Jess Cosmic, who she's still pretty new into the business, but she seems to be picking it up pretty quickly. Um, and her entering work is it's leaps and bounds ahead of where it should be for her to be so new into the business. Mm-hmm. Obviously, still room for growth, as everybody has, myself included. But, I mean, I've been on a couple shows with her up in New York, and I can't say I've seen a match where after the match I was like, I don't know about that one. Like, it was all good to better uh, for her. She'll be at the Ladies Night Out show that's coming up. Um, this will probably air after it, but uh, there's a Ladies Night Out show this week that she's on. Um in Winston-Salem. I think at the A&L Training Center is where they're doing it. Okay. Um, so she's dope. Um, Jasmine Howe is somebody who still has ways to go, but she's making major improvements, and she's working hard to get to the level she needs to be at as far as going to training and things like that. Um, I think in a year time she could be somebody people need to keep an eye out for um and then hmm. i always got to shout out my uh my homie heidi uh howitzer uh she's uh she teams with max and wasteland war party yeah um and you know max they have Max, from the time I met Max, Max was always someone. Also, I put over Max as well. Uh, but from the time I met, met Max, people just naturally gravitated to her because she has a look and presentation about her. Uh, they have a look. Sorry, I'm trying to make sure I don't mess up their identification. They have a look and presentation about themselves that speaks for itself. You're not going to see it anywhere else. Um, well, We'll leave it at that. You're not going to see it anywhere else. Um, and then her tag partner, their tag partner, Heidi, um, has a very, very similar presentation. But her personality is so... Y'all ever seen the show I Real Monsters? Yeah, from like Nickelodeon. 
Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Her personality fits that show. Like, it's yeah. so big <laughs> and, like, sporadic and all over the place. And you're just like, you see, when you meet her, you're just like, man, mm-hmm. you are a lot to take in right now. But once you really get to know her and then watch her in-ring work, she puts it all together. And it is something that I don't think gets enough attention, yeah. honestly. I think um, she should have a pretty big year this year. Somebody to keep an eye out for. Okay. Uh, you've had some people on here in the past. Brittany Jade, obviously, is somebody who's getting a lot of uh, attention um, as well. No. I don't have to put no over because every company in the world is going to put no over. Uh, John Davidson. Or, um, but when I tell you, as far as big men go, you're not going to find anybody that works harder. I mean that when it comes to no. Uh, in ring and in the gym, brother yeah. is committed, committed. Um, and, you know, people will say it's unfair that he gets the opportunities that he gets. But at the end of the day, whether you think it's unfair or not, he's going to work his butt off to make sure that he uh, follows through on the opportunities he gets and earns them, yeah. even if you don't think he's earned them yet. So I say keep an eye out for him. I feel like he's probably going to be big. Obviously, Lucky Ali. have no idea why he's not signed yet, but that's what everybody <laughs> says. That's yeah. That so, feels like the quote of the week. <laughs> yeah, like literally. Um, Drew Hood, I'll put over any day of the week. Um and Diego Hill, man, Diego, Diego Hill, and let's. There was oh, KJ Sydney, K Django. I'm gonna put him over because he's trained at high spots first with us, mm-hmm. um, and then ended up switching schools and going a couple different places, um, and the growth I've seen from him since he left high spots to now ridiculous, ridiculous. He was at the show with us on Saturday and, uh, I sat in the back and watched his match intentionally, mm-hmm. uh, to see it, just to see how far it has come. And when I tell you, when I say I was impressed, I was impressed and I don't get impressed easily, but I'll definitely put him over any day of the week. Um, right now, brothers in the zone, um, and, uh, I call him Tej. I'm not a hundred percent sure what his work name is. He's a Palmetto kid. Uh, TJ McKay, 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 I don't know TJ. Uh, I'm trying not to mess his name up. Mikhail, I believe. Mikhail. TJ. I'll tag him in. I'll send him a message, send you a message with his name on the CBC. Okay. Make sure we're on the same page on who he is, but um i've only seen like clips and stuff that he does in like his matches for palmetto or i think he did a maybe a title belt scramble at some point as well for title title belt pro that runs here in charlotte um i want to see him get more opportunities because i feel like a lot of times you'll have people that are going to be natural standouts and you'll have people that need opportunities to prove they can be a standout. Mm -hmm. And I feel like he just needs an opportunity to prove he can be a standout. I feel like if he gets the right opportunity, I think he'll surprise a lot of people like a hundred percent. Um, and I'll, I'll put one of my paydays on it. Mm -hmm. 
don't specify which one, <laughs> just in case, just in case I need the money. It might be one of the cheaper paydays, but um, I, but a I payday. The, yeah, I put a payday. Payday in my selection. It's a candy. <laughs> it's the candy bar payday. <laughs> it's just a, yeah, it's a payday. <laughs> Still a payday. Long, long as I meet the obligation of a payday being paid, you know. <laughs> uh, but I think he's somebody that people should keep an eye on uh, for the future of, like, big man wrestling, uh, especially down here in, like, South, Mid-Atlantic region as well. Um, I feel like we're going to get off of this, and I'm going to be like, ah, I forgot that, blah, blah, blah. So, charge to the heart. Charge to my head, not to my heart. I think that's the statement, right? It is now. <laughs> yeah. Whatever. We'll Just, get it on a t-shirt by tonight. Yeah. It's fine. There you go. So, uh, I'll say... Yeah, we're going... Yeah, I think that's a good... Yeah. A good stop. That's a nice list. That's a great list. Okay. Well, this has been great. We're going to have to have you back on. And maybe we'll we'll just, like, review some 2000 shows with you. Because yeah. that's something we, we, we used to yeah. do. and That's how we started. We would pick, like... Um, like Raw 800 or... Like oh. I did the McMahon's Millions, like, would cover, like, random episodes of Raw. So maybe yeah, we bring you back to do one of those. <laughs> yeah, if y'all ever want to do that, I'm definitely down to do that. Awesome. You know, want to bring me back... I enjoyed it. I enjoyed this one. This was one of the more pleasurable interviews I've been on. So glad to hear it. So glad, man. That's our goal. Well, this has been Live Laugh Lariat. Thank you so much. (laughs) 